as the foundation. But let me bank it, let me back it up and contextualize it, contextualize it in the following. Now, in another vision I'm sharing here right now, in that vision, that was way back 2006, 3 a.m., November 1, 2006, 3 a.m. in the morning. And in that vision, everyone look at this now. I was standing on the earth. And then in that vision, the Lord makes me look up into the sky. And the sky was covered total darkness, obscuridad, totalmente, obscuro. Total darkness. But all of a sudden, heaven opened into the dark sky. All of a sudden, heaven opened into the dark sky. And when heaven opened into the dark sky, then I could see the glory of God breaching the borders of heaven to the expanse, disobeying the boundary. The glory began to pour out and illuminate the light of the glory. In other words, I can say, on that day I saw real power. I saw the glory of God colonizing, conquering, overthrowing darkness. I could say so. I could characterize it that way. The power of God, the incontestable, unassailable power of God that surpasses whatever the enemy fronts, right? I saw the illumination now of the glory of God that has canceled, nullified the darkness. And then, within a moment, from afar inside heaven, I saw a golden tinge inside. I was seeing inside heaven. Golden tinge within the glory inside heaven and the glory of God supervising the expanse inside heaven. And then all of a sudden it became two golden, glorious, mighty wedding rings. Those anios gloriosos for the rosos, the border del cordero de Dios. Two mighty, golden, glorious wedding rings for the wedding of the Lamb of God. And the Lord placed them right at the entrance. Then he was flipping them in opposite directions. And he gave me the entire design, total design of those rings. I preached this all over the world. After that, then the voice spoke and said, From today on, all authority in heaven and authority on the earth has been given to Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that was very powerful that I could hear that all authority has been given to Christ Jesus, meaning now bringing some more revelation onto the rings and the glory I was seeing. The authority of the Messiah is the event announced by those spiritual wedding rings the Lord was displaying up there in that vision. In other words, to bring in the church, the authority to bring in the church, to bring humanity into heaven. Now, after that, continuing silence, but turning the two wedding rings in opposite direction. In other words, to show me how much he has achieved, how much he has accomplished. Look, all these things are ready. Announcing an event, a spiritual event. Look at this now. After that, then the voice spoke and said, look and see who is seated on the white horse. So when I looked at the threshold above, beyond the border, the entrance that was open, then I saw the super glorious white horse of heaven. 
He is a huge horse. Very sturdy, very strong. I could see him from outside. He was super glorious. He was a mighty horse. He is a mighty horse. Super glorious horse. He's a huge horse. The next thing I saw, I was now inside heaven. And that horse, he began to, I'm now inside heaven. That horse, he began to run around there. And he was running, walking his tail and stomping his front legs like this, like this, and walking the tail. And when he walks the tail, the glory, a meeting glory. And he was doing what in English they call the neighing of the horse. The crying of the horse, neighing of the horse, as in about to be released. And I think it is the conduct of the horse, the behavior of that horse, that actually gave me the message to bring to you. Because you can see very clearly that the Lord was separating the two events. The first event, the wedding of the Lamb of God. The second event, regarding that horse and Jerusalem. So you can see that the Lord separated the two events. And you can see deliberately in chronology also. This event first, then he shows me the next one. But when I did as, as the voice instructed me, that look and see who is seated on the white horse. Okay, so the horse came. The horse came very close to me and he stopped. Then I saw that his front thighs were so huge up to here. And I touched him physically physically. I have touched the horse that will come to Jerusalem. To Jeru That's now another event. Listen to this now. There is reality coming. Are we together? And then he's saying, look at this now. After that, when he was going around and I did what the voice told me to do. Look and see who is seated on the white horse. Then I saw the glory of the Lord riding the super glorious white horse of heaven. The glory. The glory. That is serious. So again, the Lord spoke there about the entry of the church. The event announced by those wedding rings, the wedding of the Lamb of God. And so, I want to give one more vision and then we get started. You're like, when will we start then? We're always about to start. <laughs> Thank you, the lawyer from Australia. <laughs> when will we start then? <laughs> Hallelujah. Everything is preamble here, right? Ay, inexhaustible word. In other words, right? The Lord is saying it's virtually inexhaustible. He wants to give us much, right? Because you are here. We have to give the whole nine yards. But in this other vision, the Lord makes me stand on the earth and I'm looking up. Don't worry, I'll combine the three visions and launch your message tonight, your instruction. I was looking up. Then I saw like the soul, the sun itself. The brilliance. I could not look directly. So I realized that is the sun. I thought it's the sun. But it was a little bit more white. When I looked at the rays, the rays were coming from there and going to the horizons, hands, ends of the earth, the horizons. So it formed more like a pattern of a dome. A dome. 
And then all of a sudden, the Lord makes me look left and I see as if it's about to rain. I'm just describing what I see. Like, like, like. You understand, right? As though it's about to rain. Come on. It's about to rain at the other end of the horizon where you normally see lightning do like that in the other sky. On the other side, right? So when I looked in that direction, when it just did like this, the voice said, the voice first said, the voice, let me arrange it for you better. The voice said, look, the Messiah is coming, but the church is not yet ready. And I think that is the take-home message. That is the message you are taking home. Look, the Messiah is coming, but the church is not yet ready. That is the message you are taking home. There is no other message. Because you are really going to prepare the church. Now, when the voice said, look, the Messiah is coming and the church is not yet ready. That's when I saw like the other ends about rain like this. When it did like that, but he made me know the church out there is not ready. And then at the other side, when it did like that, like it's about to rain on the other end of the horizon. And then the lightning on the sky like this. I found myself on the floor. I was on the dust. I was on the dust. On the dust I was rolling and gnashing my teeth, grinding my teeth and rolling and I was groaning from deep inside, deep inside. I was groaning from deep inside I was crying and groaning and crushing my teeth. Rolling on the dust on the soil. Because I was meant to know that the rapture had happened and this is how the church that will miss the rapture will feel like. Oh yes. There is some gnashing of teeth ahead of us here, right? But not for you people. Not for you people. Please. Though, though, though I wanted to pick a few things from there when I woke up. I wanted to pick a few things from there. Number one, the accuracy of the Bible. Because when the Bible says, in a flash, in the twi- like a twinkling of an eye, yes, that day I saw it in that vision. I said, wow, the Bible is the book that is going to be fulfilled accurately, letter for letter. So, in that way, in this foundation, in this laying of our structure that we are going to use for this week, I have already presented two scenarios. One, the church that is taken up, and two, the church that fails to enter. I want to use that to build on our discipleship tonight in this conference. Are you ready for it? And I want to go deep. I don't want you to restrain me in any way. If the spirit of the Lord God is a little deeper in a certain area, just allow me flow, right? So that you can bring out things that even are deeper and different so you can go more nourished, enriched, empowered, and weaponized, right? Hallelujah. And that's why you come. So for me, I'm so excited. Very, very excited. Hallelujah. That we can do this. And so, now, this is amazing. Again, I have presented two scenarios here. The Lord has presented two scenarios here. One scenario is the church that is taken up into heaven, taken into glory. The church that does departure, exit from the earth, from the war zone. 
the church that the Lord snatches away in an exercise called evacuation. The church that the Lord does what you call rescate, rescues from this disaster coming to the earth. And I presented a second scenario, the church that fails to enter. Right away, before we start, you know that when the Lord wanted to talk about the rapture of the church, the entry of the church into glory, the Lord did not take Enoch that entered. He did not. He didn't take Abraham that entered. The Lord took Mrs. Lot. The Lord took somebody that failed to enter and exalted before the church. Remember this one. I think that is really a powerful point of reference. If we, the Lord himself is highlighting that, please be careful with this. Remember Lord's wife. When it comes to entry of the church into glory, the Lord now tells this generation, to remember somebody that failed to enter, my Lord. Oy. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying it is possible to miss the rapture. It is possible to be in the church and miss the rapture. Because he did not show me the atheists the atheist or the heathen that failed to enter. He showed me the church that remained. Rolling, gnashing teeth. The church that remained. Ay, the Lord must really love the church, must really want the whole church to enter, right? Hallelujah. So I want us to start to build on that step by step. That is going to be very massive, very mighty. We don't even have time. If I just try to move with speed, let's see what we can do, right? Maybe we can continue tomorrow because there's food also. You need to get warm food, hot food in the hotels, right? For me, I didn't think we could do this because we, just last week we went serious conferences over there, right? five hours and so forth and healing services. But now, we are right here. We've not even adjusted the jet lag. Actually, we, just night I didn't sleep. I'm not able to because we were very busy on that side. But this will be good now, right? Even you I know because of your distances, right? That's why you are kind of drowsy and dizzy and uh, <laughs> hallelujah because Australia is another world. But let us see how much we can build on this so that we can have the structure of this entire discipleship for the next one week, right? So that then you are able to be empowered to go and become the agents that announce the coming of the Messiah in your countries, please. Oh yes, if you do, somebody will enter. Somebody will enter heaven if you go and announce. If you don't announce, somebody may not enter. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on now. So he says the following. Let us go step by step. Pastor, Pastor. And some of them I will be very extensive. Like later on, I will enter into the book of Revelation. Later on, I hope tomorrow or the day after, enter the book of Revelation and look at the entire structure, the framework of the book of Revelation anyway. And ask, 
What is the message there? If you take all of it, chapter 1, chapter 2, 3, like that, what is the message the Lord was conveying there? Then you see a lot of things, some of which I said here. The way heaven presents Christ. You'll see also the way heaven looks at the sinful world, the dark world. You'll see also the way heaven looks at sin. You'll see also in chapter 6 that heaven must judge sin. And a lot of other things you'll see along the way. And you see in verse in chapters 2 and 3, when Jesus is writing the epistles to the church, you'll see now very clearly there that Jesus is warning about a certain type of Christianity. A certain type of salvation. Hi! He's warning about a certain type of worship. And he rebukes it. He brings correction to it, right? If you look at chapters 2 and 3, right? I'm just saying if I get time, I can also do a rundown on the book of Revelation because we have a lot of things in there in our calling, right? And so you can see the instruction the Lord is pulling from there. Are we together? And you can see very clearly that the Lord is saying, thank you, Ben, I'm for not stretching your neck and always looking here. That's why when I'm going to command heaven in Lima, Peru, when I'm going to open heaven, what do I do? I leave him at the hotel door. I said, no, it's not for weak hearts. <laughs> yes, it's not for weak hearts. Hmm? Very Give him room, please. Let him sit near there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Allow him. Somebody show him. Follow him and show him where the restaurant is. Thank you. Look at this now. Focus on me. Ben, I'm sitting down and focus on me. So, if I have time, I'll do a rundown in the, on the book of Revelation. So, we have so much to give you, right? And I said, for example, if you look at the book of Revelation, you'll see a lot of things there. I'm, I'm talking about if you look at it from above now. Okay? For example, the chapters we are dealing with, chapters 2 and 3, you'll see, wow. So this is how heaven looks at the church and the fall in the church and the warning of a certain type of salvation and God bringing correction to it. Hallelujah. But let us begin step by step. Let's go to the foundation scriptures on that vision about the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. With so much joy, the whole world is tuned in. Everybody is benefiting from this. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Turn with me there. Primera Thessalonians, capítulo 4, versículo 3 al 18, right? Okay, seems you have been following our teachings, right? Very good. But be careful, tonight may be a little different, right? So, First Thessalonians, turn with me there. So we are now building on foundation. So again, why are we going there? We are going there because when you look at the church, when you go to any church, whether it's in Hong Kong or the church in South Korea or in Italy or Europe, you'll always find the members of that church are very hopeful that the Messiah should come in their time, right? There is always that hopefulness. That the Messiah will come, they know, and they would want him to come in their time, right? So it's a good thing to go here and read. Because the promise was in John 14, but we start with 1 Thessalonians, right? Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Primera Thessalonians, capítulo 4. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, 16. We are beginning 13, step by step. It's going to be quite extensive here tonight, with much uh, time gone like this. Okay, now. 
the scripture that now aligns the vision with scripture. Scripture ke alinear vision con scripture, right? Hallelujah. Are we together? <laughs> uh, Charles Ephraim, are you happy still? Okay, I am the one who is very happy because this is now an extra bonus, right? Because these are now nations. This is bigger than Brazil. <laughs> these are now many nations, right? Because I know once I give you this, you'll go and deposit it in the church in your countries and they will change forever. They will change forever. I mean eternally. Eternally. Hallelujah. So he's saying the following. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 I begin. Step by step, slowly by slowly, we're going to walk through this together. No need to panic. He's saying, brothers and sisters, that is the church. That is talking to who? The church. Hermanos y hermanas, he is talking to the church. Brothers and sisters, he is talking to the church. Hallelujah. You are doing well, Mireille. Thank you, my daughter. He says the following. Brothers and sisters, the church of Christ, body of Christ, we do not want you to be uninformed. It's a two doubles, double negative right there, right? We do not want you to be uninformed. Meaning we really want you to be informed. We do not want you to be ignorant. We do not want you to be uneducated on this matter. We do not want you to be unenlightened, not enlightened about the rapture of the church. Meaning it's a terrible thing not to know about the rapture of the church. Oh yeah, so it's Kosa. Use the word Kosa. Can be Kosa terribly. Very powerful. He's saying the desire of God is that all Christians, brothers and sisters, may get to know about the rapture of the church and the details therein. Are we still together? Okay, then now let's pin it down. He now says again. He says, brothers and sisters. We do not want you to be ignorant. Meaning, he does not want the church to be ignorant about the coming of the Messiah. And let's pin it down further. He's going to talk about death and souls. Let's move into this now. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Hi. The scripture that lays out the cascade of the rapture, the rollout, how it breaks down, how it unfolds, begins by the Lord saying, He does not want the Christians to live a life of ignorance, not enlightened, about death. That is serious. Hallelujah. Let's read further and see what is touching, right? Again, he said, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now look at this now. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who do not have hope. Let us just, that's too big right there, right? So we could even stop there and just have a discussion right there. He's saying that he does not want the church, his church, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant, uninformed, unenlightened, uneducated about those that sleep in death. 
Why? Then verse 14, he lays it out for you. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That is it now. Now we understand better. Hallelujah. He's saying that he does not want the church to be ignorant about resurrection. The scripture that lays out the cascade and the structure and the strategic platform for the rapture of the church begins by God saying he does not want ignorance in the church about death and resurrection. And this church, when they were taught about the coming of the Messiah, then all of a sudden, because of things that were happening, this church began to wait for the coming of the Messiah. And I think that's an indictment to this generation. Because I'm going to read scriptures, I mean, going to read further away, say, we, we, nosotros, nosotros, nos, nos in, uh, in Portuguese. This church began to wait for the coming of the Messiah. The first century church. And as they were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, some of their loved ones began to die. Some of them died really from persecution, by the way. The Romans were very harsh. And number two, also, the Jewish people are persecuting the church. So, they began to wait for the coming of the Messiah, believing that the Messiah would come in their time, the rapture of the church. And as they waited for the rapture of the church, their loved ones began to die. Some natural death, natural death. Muerte natural. Ellos murió, natural cause. Some of them died from persecution because they were zealous, they lived for Christ. And so they began to wonder we are waiting for the rapture, and our loved ones are dying. These loved ones who are dying, are they also going to benefit from the advantages of the rapture? The grand reunion with the Lord. That is also very serious, right? That the church that early could start waiting for Jesus. And 2,000 years later, this church is not waiting for Jesus. That's why you are here, that you go and tell them to start waiting for him. But he's saying, when their loved ones were dying, 
they thought that the souls would be lost. Do you see now the, the ignorance he's talking about? They thought that those who have died before the rapture are lost. May never have a reunion. And you see the reunion we're talking about is reunion. If you ask me with Christ first, number two with your blessed ones also, right? Your loved ones that have died earlier, right? Hallelujah. So now, they were worried. And that's how the Lord came to answer them. And when the Lord came to answer them, the biggest answer for the church was birthed out. But what is astounding, which you cannot fail to see, is that the Lord raises the ignorance in the church. The new Levanta ignorance into the iglesia. Ignorance about what? About death and resurrection. And he says, they were living their lives in a Christian life without understanding the basic principles of death and resurrection, especially with regard to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so the Lord came to answer them. He said, don't live in ignorance. Because for us as Christians, our salvation is based on the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's number one. Number two, that death and resurrection of Jesus is our hope. That because Jesus died and rose again, now even you, you have hope. Please, this is serious. This is now serious. Yeah. This is where the present day church did not get it right. Kibokado, 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 error. Yeah, this is where the present day church did not get it right. He's saying that the death and resurrection of Jesus is our hope. There is a whole scripture that's dedicated to that. That without resurrection, we have nothing. Without, and today, don't worry, I'm going to get deep. Allow me just flow. I'm going to get very deep and tell you what you should go and tell them in your countries on this matter. He's saying that for us, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the glorious resurrection of Christ, is what even allows us to sacrifice our lives for salvation. 
that when Jesus died and resurrected, look at this now. That death and resurrection, the Lord is saying here that the resurrection of Christ should be the distinguishing factor in the way Christians live their lives vis-a-vis the world. God is saying we must live differently from the world. Because of this hope of resurrection. That if somebody walks here with a machine gun, machina, how do you call machine gun? Huh? Not cabarenero, whatever. It's a machine gun. AK-47. He walks in here and he says, you, do you still believe in Jesus? He starts with someone at the corner there. And he said, yes, I do. Bam! Bam! Kill. And you, do you want to renounce Jesus and I leave you all you want? He says, for us, the hope of resurrection is what allows us to say, please kill me now. Don't kill me tomorrow, now. Oh, yes. No. Me, I'm shocked you are clapping because the present day church has not done it. The church in Finland cannot you know they cannot do that. You know. Even in Netherlands, even in Brussels, they cannot do that. But this is very serious. Allow me just go step by step. He's saying that because of the hope of resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith, first of all, it was very astonishing that there is a church where people are seated and they do not know the basics of the foundation of our faith. Because he's saying here, let me just describe to you something here. If you look at the prophetic timeline, simplicity, simplicity, look at this, everybody looking at me now. If you look at the prophetic timeline like this, are we together? And you put here the cross. There is before the cross. Christ Jesus came he wanted to let them know who he is. Before the cross. He was struggling to make Israel to know who he is. That's why when he met the centurion, he was shocked. Because the centurion called him Lord. He was crying for many years that Israel can call him Lord, can recognize him and call him Lord. Now you see in the news their condition for this. They did not call him Lord. He wanted them to know that this is the Messiah. Before the cross. Everybody, you are still on me. Prophetic timeline. I have cut and put the cross. Before the cross. He's struggling to make Israel know who he is. That's why 
Later on, he diverted the mission and went to Tyre and the Canaanite woman. Lord, son of David, that is a messianic name. of David is a messianic office. That is the Messiah. He would be the greatest son of David. Amen, David. A pagan woman, a Gentile woman, was able to right away do what he longed for Israel to do all this time. Oh, if you follow me, it will be powerful. I know you like to write, but this is powerful also to follow me. With your eyes. This woman identified, they knew that the Messiah would come from the house of David. She identified him correct and called him Lord. But you remember the way he talked with her. He said, no, 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 I'm sent to the lost ship of Jacob and so forth. You remember? So, he was struggling to make them know that he is the Messiah before the cross. After the cross, and then he resurrected, and then he ascended. Look at this now. After the cross, after the cross, then you put the rapture here. The cross and the rapture. Everybody focus here. The cross now. After the cross, a few days he has gone up, ascended. Now, Pentecost has come, the church is bathed out, right? But look at this now. The rapture, the cross, the rapture. Inside here, the first part, the disciples attempted to do the same ministry Jesus did. The disciples, after the cross, after resurrection, after ascension, they attempted to do the same ministry Jesus did. If you look at what they did, they're saying, this same Jesus that you crucified, he is the Messiah, he is the Lord. They were again telling Israel that Jesus is the Messiah. They attempted, they continued the ministry Jesus did before the cross, they continued a little bit here. Just follow me on this. Until Stephen was killed. When Stephen is killed, they were dispersed. It was by design. Oh, it was by design. Yeah. I remember in another big conference I said, until God killed Stephen. People said, and then I said, yes, it was by design. The persecution. Why? To disperse them. Hallelujah. And now they left. Now they flee. And the gospel began to go. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Look at this now. Look at me. When the Lord now met Saul, Paul later, Saul. Then now the gospel to the Gentiles and they began to focus on what Jesus has done. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. 
I, I said, if you give me eye contact, that's the best you can do. Then now, the grace, the grace, you are the products of the grace, right? That's now Paul and taking the gospel out. But if you see the demarcations in chapter 10, there is an event there. In the house of Cornelius, right? In chapter 10, there is an event. You remember the, the Pentecost, the, I almost said the first Pentecost. The Pentecost, do you remember the Pentecost? Chapter 2. They were mostly Hebrew. When the power, when Peter enters, say, you know, you people know I'm not even supposed to come here. Then boom, the Holy Spirit touched the place. The Gentiles. So again, everybody focus on this again. Ultra base. This is the prophetic timeline. I want you to catch this very well. The cross. Before the cross, Jesus was trying to tell them who he is. And they were busy telling him who he is not. After the cross, the disciples attempted to tell Jerusalem who Jesus is. Was and is. Until the persecution came, Stephen is killed. Stoned. When persecution entered, then the church dispersed. That persecution was by design. God brought it. I don't know why you find that difficult. I just told you today that you cannot enter the borders of Israel and do that unless the Lord caused it. After that, they began to preach what Jesus has done. What he has done for you, the grace. So if you look at the cross and the rapture, in between here, church age, the church age, in between here, what the Lord is saying in this scripture here, is that in between here, only the soul can be saved. Solomon Alma can be saved. Follow me on this. Hallelujah. Just follow me on this. Pastor, pastor. You will understand verses 13 and 14 much better if you catch this. Then you take it to your country and prepare the church. Because I'm going to go deep now. He says the following. He says, from the cross, between the cross, church age, and the rapture, only the soul can be saved. The body is not redeemed. But the Lord brings the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Genia spirit. Infilling of the whole genia. The spirit. Infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why your body is always fighting your spirit. Only your soul can be saved in the church age. That's why the Lord brought the Holy Spirit in feeling as a deposit. 
a guarantee of redemption of your bodies on the day of rapture. Hallelujah. I know there is a vision I want to share. I think I'll share it tomorrow on glorification. But just walk with me on this. I really hope I can move here. Everybody for Kandaki. He's saying, your body can only be saved, redeemed, on the day of rapture, on the day of glorification. The day you are taken up. So now, with that knowledge, can we read this now? Again, look at this now. Primera, por favor. Look. The cross, the rapture, only the soul is saved, the rapture, the body now glorified, coming with Christ, glorified, those who died earlier, the soul, and then, which I'm going to handle now, don't worry, and then after the rapture, the tribulation, three and a half, three and a half, then now, after that second coming, you have the millennial reign. Then the white throne judgment, and then you have the eternal state. But be very careful. There are some days in you.